Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $50 to win $200. Just bet $50 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Today is a big deal. We got preseason football to recap. Chris is going to run through some of the biggest storylines from the weekend. He's going to talk about the Patriots' offensive play calling with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, what he saw from Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, the Jordan Love-Trey Lance quarterback battle, what to glean from the rookie quarterbacks, and everyone's favorite preseason week one darling, George Pickens. We also talk about Tom Brady leaving Bucks camp and Kyler Murray calling some plays down in Arizona. Afterwards, we got a new segment, Alive or Dead. And then Howie Jr. joins us for a little mailbag. Y'all enjoy and take care. Why is nobody talking about this Brady thing? I'm not really sure, Matt. I kind of feel like there's probably a baseline, you respect people's privacy code. Like, I I think if we were to do a segment and it was lighthearted and you could, you could be like, what are the funniest reasons that Brady would be gone um, for 10 days or whatever the app. And I, I should explain what's going on to people because I mean, that's how quiet coverage has been of possibly still the best quarterback in the game and the best quarterback of all time taking a very out of character very not status quo break from football like in the middle of camp he gotten out of dodge for 10 days some sort of personal reasons uh and i think the baseline reason that people don't cover it i'm trying not to be cynical cynicism would say oh well everybody's afraid of tom brady like i play with tom brady like if i said something that would make the news about his break like I'm not afraid to speculate like it is a perfectly good question. Where the fuck is he? But I think most of all people are trying to respect whatever it is that's going on because we always find out or sometimes we find out that it's something pretty tragic that was going on. Now, I heard that like everybody in his family is healthy. So that's all you can ask for. But I think realistically, like football wise, if I had to guess and facts, you know, you kind of floated this as well. So it was, it it's, could be performative. It could be like getting stem cell or something like that. Something, yeah, to get ready for the season. You know, Brady's getting older and 
everyone has different methods and maybe he's trying something new that takes a maybe a 10 day span for to get the treatment and the recovery he needs to get back and to get back to work but nowadays who knows yeah who knows i mean like it could be it could be stem cell i i got stem cell um you know my, my last year in philly um over the course of the last year and a half of my career i got it a couple times uh and i got it in germany and uh you know like i went out there a couple days before camp the last year i played i was in germany for like less than four you know uh i landed at like 9 a.m and i flew out at like 4 p.m you know i got my treatment i went home it was bizarre i was on an airplane like all day uh, but this thing takes a couple weeks to kick in and if you time it right in camp It might give you a little uh, inflammation boost like a little less inflammation your joints feel better You might recover a little quicker. It's nothing illegal uh, But it's something that like if players are smart, they'll access anything they can I mean there are stem cell treatment facilities in the United States like players can get uh, stem cell in their knee You know different problem joints uh, like all over the country I would think Brady might be doing something like that. And the timing just might be where you're asking, what is the ultimate um, gain I could get? Like, give me the timing, Doc. And the Doc says, well, you're supposed to do it exactly six weeks before you start competing or a month before you start competing. And, you know, in his, like, his brain, he thinks this justifies leaving for 10 days. Somebody asked earlier, what if he's on a vacation? No, I'm thinking, yeah, what if he's on a vacation, but now thinking more into it, what if he took 10 days to try to one-up Aaron Rodgers and try his method, and he, <laughs> he went, went and he went to go lick the toad yeah. and try ayahuasca yeah. and get his chakras all intact and get ready for the season? Max, I kind of like this. I kind of <laughs> like this. Uh, this is one conspiracy. He's just like, fuck this. I'm going to Peru. <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I hope everything's okay, but it's it's a big deal. It changes the flow. Uh, you know, there's players that he has to that he has to get to know that are on his team that he's not going to be able to do that. I mean, like it's important to be on the field with your team if you can, and he knows that. So whatever the reason uh, is, it's serious. I would I would think it would be performative, if I had to guess. But not being on the field ultimately affects the flow of the offense. It does. I mean, like, uh, and he knows that. And I think what's interesting is, you know, there's the Jensen injury. You've got the new center in there, and the new center is getting used to snapping the ball to Blaine Gabbert, not Tom Brady. What up, Blaine? <laughs> Your guy. <laughs> Real <laughs> quick, as a sidebar, <laughs> I want you to tell tell people how Blaine Gabbert won the starting job in Jacksonville. You saw one of the, the worst cuts in NFL history. So this is a week before our first game. I forget what year it is. Man, a week before our first game, and we're in Jacksonville, and we have a luncheon that at this luncheon, the season ticket holders and the people there, they had paid – they had paid like raffle fees or whatever amount of money to sit at this luncheon with certain players. And right. I know David Gerard was probably the top, like the biggest table number. And he was our quarterback at the time. And he also, we all do these dinners. Yeah. Yeah. Or these like, lunches, they're always lunches, the lunches, the luncheon. And like everyone's in there, like we're, we're in our, 
we're in our uniforms for it. And David Gerard, he he. Um, oh, y'all got to wear your uniforms. We had to wear like for pictures. We had like we had we were in full like You're at the lunch pants with corporate people. Yes. in tights. Yes, because that's that what is they paid for. So dehumanizing, man. <laughs> that's what they paid. At least for. they let us go in suits in St. Maybe, Louis. Maybe maybe we did pictures. Maybe they wrapped everything in that day, and we did pictures and stuff also. Yeah. But I remember we did eat Fax with is that sitting on. in a ballroom in Jacksonville. With, yes, with at his, like the Sheridan, <laughs> like with the his Sheridan on eating with like the the, the manager of a, of a bank. Dave Gerard, he talks to the all the season ticket holders. The team announced we're on the bus ride back from this hotel to the Jacksonville facility, and there's a starts a commotion. And when we get there, you see Jack Del Rio outside the bus, and he's livid. He's like flipping his shit, and then there's whispering on the bus. I'm I'm a second year guy. I'm just happy that like yo, I made I made the 53. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, and then it gets that like yo, they just cut David and on and the bus coming home from the luncheon, from the luncheon where he had to actually lead the 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 what, what do they call it? Lead the the procession. He had to lead everything. Yeah, and they cut him, and his backup was Blaine Gabbert. Who they had just they had just drafted, who in his defense was not ready to play, but was forced and thrown into the fire. And that was a very, very long season. Del Rio got cut halfway through the season. Mel Tucker took over. We had a great, incredible defense, but Blaine was put in a very, very bad spot because the organization had something else going on. And now on. he's in Tampa and he's a Super Bowl champion and he's supposed to pick up Tom Brady's slack in practice and run the practice, you know, 12 years later or whatever it is. Um, and he's the OG, he's the vet. But what he can't do is simulate Tom Brady. He can't. For all the football he's learned along the way from David Gerard for three weeks <laughs> uh, and from various others, like, this guy is not Tom Brady, and the cadence is different. And so when Tom Brady comes back, like you're definitely catching up a little bit. Quarterbacks miss time in camp all the time. But Tom Brady likes things the way he likes them. And you know, if Tom Brady gets back, this new center's fucking up, you know, tackles tackles offsides, you know, uh, tackle false starts. Is Tom gonna feel like uh, you know, I can yell at these guys about the lack of timing if it's anything less than a career emergency? I mean, there can be an upside to it. I just feel like I'm worried about Tom and I hope, you know, I hope the, the timing isn't too affected. I think it would be for at least a couple of weeks and they'll get on the same page. But when you're trying to win the NFC, you can't lose a game early in season because you're behind. They did make one move today. I like they signed uh, free agent Carl Nassib. Yeah, Carl. Carl, we got to get Carl on the show one of these days. It's uh, our guy, Bo Allen. Uh, Bo Allen played with Carl, loves Carl. Let's talk about preseason football. I love preseason football. Nate, have you watched any preseason? Yeah. You really have? Which game did you watch? I watched a few. Yeah. You sick fuck. You sick fuck. You sick fuck. That's great. You sick fuck. I mean, the mental fortitude that 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 young man is going to have to have. Oh, well, he for the remainder of his career if he gets to play ever again. Dude, he's tuned out his conscience for years. Oh my god. You don't think he can tune out, you know, section 103? <laughs> 
everyone, chanting, you sick fucks. Everyone, everyone Dude, has this is nothing to him. Everyone has a bad day though. You know how it is. No, it's, a long, it's, it's a long, it's a long season. It's a long season, yeah. and everyone has a bad day, and it's just like, damn. Yeah, dude. like <laughs> it's just that I didn't think about that. It was like when it happened, I go, oh my god. I tried to think about this, this because we, I had to talk about it. I had to think about it from every angle. But look, you know, uh, like every conceivable angle. I did not think about the fact that he's going to just have to hear the most creative chants in NFL history. My thing is now, as the NFL, as a business, like, are you going to go out of your way to push that, hey, like, we're not promoting our fans to to act like this? Because realistically, in in different situations, no, the NFL they, is gonna put a sign. They, they'll up that put says, they'll, you like, sick fuck. Yeah, like, that's what they should. You know what they, the NFL should do? They should just put you sick fuck in the end zone, like end racism. You sick fuck. <laughs> Come on. Come on, that's good. Yo. They might do it. Just every week, guys gotta run out through you sick fuck. So this is the observation deck. This is where uh, this is where I, I give you what I'm seeing, dude. This is what I'm seeing. I, I watched a lot of preseason tape this week. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy that. And then um, we've got some mailbag at tail end. You know, I'm not an athlete anymore per se. I did just join a softball league. Uh, but I'm a podcaster. And to podcasters, gut health is very important. My morning routine is very important. My breakfast is very important. Walking downstairs to the kitchen to the song Narco is very important to me, but nothing is more important than drinking AG1. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to find a nutritional drink that I could add to my daily routine to improve my gut health and energy. I just rip it open and it's over with. I don't have to mix a bunch of stuff, it's easy. I've been on it for six months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, which is a good thing, it tastes really good. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. This is the best option for easy, optimal nutrition out there. You take one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it, it's that simple. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com greenlight. Again, that is athleticgreens.com greenlight to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So I've been working my ass off watching preseason football, and that is uh, something, when I say that out loud, I don't know how many people are, like somebody posed the question, how many people are actually queued into preseason football? And I don't think it's as many as people think. I think if you're online or you you follow the NFL, you know, kind of media <clears throat> spin cycle, it's always gonna appear that preseason football is something that's consumed by everybody. But I think anybody that's creating content right now is kind of like, if you take a second, you're like, how many people actually give a fuck about uh Commanders Panthers this weekend. Yeah, Panthers, you're like 45, 47%, just think, less than half. Just under half of people uh, that root for the Panthers and watch their games regularly are, 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 are sitting. What do the ratings say about this? 
Yeah, that's interesting. It's a good question. Before I look, I would guess it's more like a fifth, like 20% or maybe oh. 15%. Yeah, and, and, but he's up from 10 a couple if, minutes ago. If we're talking about the... When the, he heard Reed's, he heard Reed's close to 50-50. If we're talking about the commanders, I would say zero. Because none, none of the fan base want to watch that. They're sick, yeah, though. They they're, really, they're like, tired they really like watching this stuff. Yeah. They're sadistic. But I, I guess all I'm saying is I'm sitting up last night. It's almost midnight. I'm watching Falcons... Um, you know, uh, lions. And I'm like, man, I could mail this in all month, but I want to know what the hell's going on. A lot of exciting young players and that sort of thing. I do want to remind you that Josh Rosen went six for seven, you know, for 50 something yards the other day. That's, that's the type of uh, performance that would make a rookie QB, uh, you know, like good morning football fodder the next morning. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, the, these take into context, it's just a couple series that we're seeing, you know, there's the the competition is variable for these guys, um, and it's one game. You know, in the regular season, when the bullets are flying fast and great players are on the field, and there's no holes. You know, everybody's been in this league, you know, uh, for a little bit, or there, there's experience at every position. There's guys every week that go off and then aren't heard from again. So don't put too much stock into preseason. I always say this. You know, I I think I. I had one preseason sack my entire career. It's 11 years in the NFL. I think I played 44 games in the preseason. It's one sack every 44 games. I had 70 sacks in my career. So it's just, it doesn't always translate. And it's a couple series, especially with these rookies. They can change a lot. I'm going to talk about Evan Neal here in a second. Evan Neal uh, didn't look great. Penny Sewell was supposed to be a, a huge disappointment this time last year in August. We already had it figured out. So things can change for these guys and one performance, especially one play like we do with a whole host of rookies and young players. Like, did you see that one play this kid made? Um, sometimes we lose ourselves in the sauce a little bit. Yeah, and you know what you were saying as a starter you don't get to go into that rhythm into that gate that flow you get Whole like game. you know one yeah. series you might yeah. have like one bad pass as the quarterback you might you know running back you might not sit, miss you might miss one hole and then you're out and you're you know out on the sideline for well the it's rest like of you're game. talking about jordan love jordan love mm -hmm. isn't throwing to who aaron Rodgers is going to throw to right jordan love's throwing to a bunch of you know ragtag guys guys who are fighting to get on the field. yeah they're fighting to get on the field and you know you always hear quarterbacks and receivers talk about the connection the continuity of working mm -hmm. with each other and that sort of thing and um, you know, it's a lot for a lot of these players and, and to not get the rhythm, as you said, especially as I get, get talking about pass rushers, I can talk right. about Thibodeau, right? Um, I can talk about Aiden Hutchinson. I can talk, but I, I can talk about Walker, but I didn't see these guys get enough snaps to really make a determination on who they are. I can tell you how they played in those snaps. What we're watching are very competitive open practices. And what you you've said this before is that you can have as much info on a tackler, a guard, or a center mm -hmm. going into the game, mm -hmm. but he could do something totally different than you saw the last three yep. weeks in a row. He yep. could be, he could turn into a puncher. He could turn. Yep. So you need those as a as a rusher, as you know, even as an offensive lineman. You need mm -hmm. to know. Do you need to have that rhythm, that in-game flow, to know how you can attack, how you how you can change your your pre-game plan to go more effectively into the in-game plan. And as a consumer, if you if and Hard Knocks does a great job of this because you get to know the characters top to bottom. But I always say, if you want to see like really competitive football where people are playing like their lives depend on it, like go watch preseason game four in the second half. Mm -hmm. There was a viral clip the other day 
uh, of an old uh, Eagles player, number 64. I don't know who it was. It was before I was there. It looks like the Reebok era damn near, and he's chasing somebody for the Browns. Um, he's a defensive lineman, and he lays out about six feet short of a ball carrier just to try to get a piece of his ankle. He's doing anything, whatever it takes. Now, I don't know if that was the fourth preseason game, but that's the type of effort. His effort was so great that it looked absolutely fucked up. Like people were like, what are you doing? You were never gonna catch this guy, but guys are just, guys are jumping in front of moving vehicles to make the team. You know what I mean? It's, it's the culmination of a, uh, of a very competitive month where guys' entire lives are at a crossroad. Their entire professional lives are at a crossroad. And that's what I think makes the second half or most of that fourth preseason game uh, in some some cases, for some teams, the entire game they rest starters. Uh, that is entertaining football. It might not be the most high quality football, but people are playing with their livelihoods on the line. So preseason, it's all about context. What game is it? Who are people playing? How much have we seen of this kid? What's the system? Who's he throwing to? Who's he catching the ball from? So um, take everything with a grain of salt. Okay, I think we've we've sufficiently couched this analysis. Yeah, okay. I do, uh, I do want to say this, the NFL, as, as we all huddle over NFL Rewind and try to watch these games, um, there's no all 22, so you kind of have to even either watch the, the full game or the, the cut-up game that goes from play to play. I really wish YouTube can do this, right? The NFL's huge. Why can't we put some markers on these videos time so, I, so I can timestamps, scrub to where Kenny Pickett comes in the game, you know? <laughs> the Panthers game, it was there was a different quarterback in, I felt like, every three minutes in the Panthers-Commander's game. I mean, it was just You're like, not wrong. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really tough to find who I needed to find. So, NFL, that would be great if you could do that. Uh, and I also love these preseason games and going back and watching on NFL Rewind because you get a lot of local flair. You know, um, I'm watching New England and, and New York, and I'm like, you know, Bob's Furniture is having a career night. You know, they just happen to be playing another huge market team on preseason, and there's players on both teams that you really want to watch, right? Especially on the Giants, they have two first mm -hmm. rounders. So you got all these eyeballs, all these people in the industry, like, where might I buy furniture next time I'm in the Boston area? And maybe Bob's Furniture is is a national chain, but um, you get to see you get some of that. The, some of these local brands, like there's a there's a Howie's Pizza in Detroit, Hungry Howie's. You know, Hungry Howie's got airtime because people are watching Aiden Hutchinson. People in L.A. are, are when they go to Detroit, they know where they, they want to go to get a slice. Where's Bob's Furniture? Do you know? It's, it's headquartered in Connecticut. Okay. Next time I'm in Connecticut, <laughs> I'm buying furniture from Bob. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll like, do our it, next furniture trip up to Bob's. And that's, hey, that's the stuff I remember about being a fan of a team. Whether it's a college team or you're watching preseason football is you know it's that local that local broadcast team and one thing about this is like local broadcast teams know more about teams than anybody that's right right so i love seeing people uh that are that know these teams calling these games they're the perfect people to intro us into the third linebacker the person who's on the on the bubble and could make a you know make the team as a special teams guy the backstories are really uh colored in you know so i i love watching preseason all right so i'll start with with the giants so I worry about the floor with the Giants rookies. Uh, and I want to say this, like this is the first game when I was a rookie, I felt like literally a dog that was like teleported onto the fucking field. 
uh, and there were cars racing by. That's how lost I was my first preseason game. So I'm not throwing stones. Uh, you know, I know I live in a glass house here, but what I am doing is I'm an, uh, analyzing what I see on the tape. And um, with both these guys, and the Penne Sewell clause is baked into this thing. Last year, this time, they were writing him off. It was a not again thing. Uh-oh, Lions. Uh-oh, Lions. He's turned into a real player. Uh, and offensive linemen, they need development. In 2010, if an offensive lineman was drafted, um, that guy would have had countless hours, way more than now, in the classroom, on the on, on the playing field. And so a lot of times, like these guys haven't even done much live practice. you know. And yeah, you can do one-on-ones, you can do team periods, but this is a totally different game. Your first drive in preseason, you're always so gassed because of the adrenaline, because there's no way to prepare for this. Um, you know, like one time we started in Denver. I think we went mm -hmm. up to Denver to play them, and it was Orlando Franklin. I'm setting a, an edge <laughs> on Orlando Franklin, who was a big bad motherfucker. And uh, I, I, I haven't, I haven't run this fast. My heart hasn't beat this hard. I haven't been this. The adrenaline hasn't kicked in like this. So in every way, these guys are getting their feet wet. And uh, yeah, when when I started, I told you I felt like a dog on a highway. Uh, my first drive against the, uh, the the San Diego Chargers, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Not not not. I'm afraid. It's just it's moving so fast. You know, like where is the ball? You know, you're trying to play your key, then locate the ball, and you're like, holy shit, the ball's out quicker in, in the pros than it was in college. Like, wow, this is going to be tough. So with Evan Neal, I think the biggest thing is, and all this can be rectified with technique. But the one thing that worries me about him is his athletic type looks to be a little bit top heavy. Like if he has a weakness as an athlete, it looks like he plays a little bit top heavy. And what I mean by that is he ends up on the ground because when he absorbs like a bull rush or, or, or you know, somebody's setting an edge, he's, gonna, he, he's putting force back into that defender, but not, not with balance and leverage. And OTG is a really dirty three-letter um, acronym in, in training camp. OTG is, is something you don't want to see. Whether you're on defense or offense. I mean, Kayvon, who I'll talk about in a second, was on the ground in coverage. Um, it's just not what you want to see. And the top-heavy thing, I heard a lot about it. I didn't want to put too much stake in it, but it, it looks like he was a little bit top-heavy. He's not real sticky in pass pro. Um, you know, he, he got bold and then pulled by a couple times, which is exactly how I would rush the kid. Anybody big like that, that's tailor-made for a bull jerk guy. Mm -hmm. That was a big bull jerk guy. Like a guy who's wide, whose hands aren't going to be inside, say he's a puncher. Like I know I can get, get my hands in his breastplate. Uh, and then from there, as he anchors and sets his feet, you know, you'll notice that his head comes with it, and then you can kind of pull him by and he ends up on the ground. Even a couple plays he didn't end up on the ground, I feel like he, he was susceptible to a little bit of slingshotting. So... And I think you can get the visual at home, what, what slingshotting a tackle looks like. You, you go into their chest, they anchor, they stop their feet, they lean over, and then you pull them by using their momentum. It didn't really kill him early, but he gave up a bad sack. I mean, he gave up a bad sack to a kid. I, no, no disrespect to this kid, I don't know who he is, number 96 for the Pats. Uh, he's inside him, it's play action, the action's away and Evan Neal's job is to cut him off. He doesn't cut him off. He's struggling so hard to get his hat across that 96 is able to hump him by. So if you're Evan Neal, if you're imagining this play, and it's really the Josh Uche sack, you can go back and look at it, who got the credit for the play, but 96 made it. This is a play that shouldn't end in a sack, not by this guy. 
and Evan Neal is coming down so hard. Again, he's going where his momentum takes him. So that's going to be something that needs to, he needs to clean up. He He's fighting so hard to cross this guy's face, this guy can feel his momentum uh, and just takes him where he's trying to go. Comes back across his face, climbs the pocket, and, uh, and, and decks Daniel Jones. And Sam Roberts, 96. Sam Roberts. Rookie so, from Northwest Missouri State. Yeah. So Uche cleans it up. He gets the credit, but... 96 makes the play. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, hey, it's not a disaster. It's not like DEFCON 5 here, or 4, or whichever one's the worst. Five's the worst, right? It's actually a common misnomer. There DEFCON we go. 1 is actually the worst. There we go. Why do they say that all the time? Because it's been done in movies. People think higher is worse, but it's actually DEFCON 1 is the most severe. So I'm not saying it's maybe DEFCON 3 here with uh, Evan Neal, right? Like there's definitely a DEFCON. I'm like, oh shit. Guy looks a little top heavy. Um, you know, he he's not exactly sticky in pass protection. I need to see more, right? And what you said, he might have been going against some guys who have three, four, five years of NFL, NFL yeah. experience. They're trying to make that roster. They know how to attack a new tackle. And, that, and, they that's, know. and that's a big part of it. Jennings is the kid who was lined up on mm-hmm. him. Anthony Jennings. I yep. think this is what third year or something mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, like he might not be a household name. But he understands how to play football mm-hmm. um, at this level, especially. at this level especially, and and stuff you get away with, you know, in the in the SEC even mm-hmm. you can't get away with in the pros. So, and so what you're looking for next week is for him to mitigate those easy issues. Trust to his make, anchor. Yep. Unless there's something, unless he can't set his feet under him at 350 pounds and anchor down on a bull rush. Mm-hmm. If he can't do that because he's floating. Uh, or because his weight's on his heels, or whatever it is. I'm not an offensive line coach. I'm a guy that rushed him. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then, then we got to worry. Then we're at, you know, are we at one? We're at one. If he starts getting run over and he can't uh-huh. anchor, that's going to be a problem. We might be at DefCon one and a half. <laughs> um, I'm not even saying. Listen, we got time here. Yep. You know, if I'm one of the vets here, it's like, hey, good first day. Get you know some good things to build on. I know he got some movement in the run game. Um, but I'm also looking at a guy like Charles Cross, who I'm not going to take your time and chew your ear off on, uh, who's out in Seattle, and you're not going to hear it from him for three years, but he might play at a really high level. Mm-hmm. This guy looks really good. Yeah. So, like, preseason doesn't mean much, but if I'm comparing the two, I'm looking at that rookie over there in Seattle. He's ready, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He, he looks a lot more pro-ready, and they have different skill sets. I mean, you know, like, these are two different players coming out, and you discuss the merits of their different strengths and weaknesses – the guessing game is how you you know you project those strengths and weaknesses at the pro level. Charles Cross, some of the negatives on him didn't show up this this Saturday or whenever that game was played. We'll see what happens next week. Mm-hmm. And matchups, you know, make fights. Right. Same thing in pass rushing. So it could be been a bad matchup for as you pointed out with with Evan Neal and a good one for Charles Cross. Thibodeau, he is not special physically. Okay, this is not a slight. I have no problem with the kid. I have no problem with the kid, you know, being outspoken. This isn't analysis rooted in any dislike for Kayvon Thibodeau. In fact, there's some things he does that I like. I think he turns his hips well. I think he's a natural hoop runner. I think he turns his hips well. He started to get in rhythm a little bit his second um his the the second possession of this game. Hey, I've looked worse in a preseason game, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, especially two two fucking, you know, uh you know, two series, the ball's out quick. You know, the way NFL offenses are now, it feels like you can't get in any kind of rhythm because every play looks different. 
things are lateral, then they hit you vertical, then there's play action, there's a bunch of tight ends, that sort of thing. For an edge rusher coming out of college when things were a lot simpler, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, minus the read option stuff, it's complicated when you take the field. I just think he's too slight not to be twitchy. And I don't see somebody who's extremely twitchy. He was on the ground, as I said, in coverage. That's not a big deal. That's uh, not why he's, you know, he's there, but it is something you want to avoid. His feet just aren't light. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see him picking them up and putting them down in space well for a guy that size. You know, like, he turns his hips well. I said that, but he's going to need to be a technician. The whole key as a pass rusher is like, what is your mechanism to get to the top of the rush? And then how are you, how good are you at the top of the rush? Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be good at the top of the rush. He needs a mechanism to get him to the top of the rush. For me, it was a swipe. I remember my rookie year, I was having trouble um, turning the corner because I'm not great at the top of the rush anyways. Um, but I never really had to work an edge rush uh, in college. I, I did on third down, but I try to you know, beat somebody off the snap or bull rush them or an inside move was big for me. I didn't have a really good way to get on people's edge in the pros and I had good vets. Good luck to these rookies. Uh, the, the league's changed. There might not be people that can pull them aside and tell them everything they know, but Leonard Little taught me, um, you know, a, a way to get on the edge and it was a double, double swipe. I don't think I used uh, knowingly side scissors as we called it, which is of course running as fast as you can to the top of the rush. And when you get there and somebody's punching, and everybody was a puncher in 2008, uh, you time your, your swipe up and you knock their hands down. That was my mechanism to get to the top of the rush. He needs a mechanism to get to the top of the rush, and it can't just be Von Miller bend and run. It can't just be Micah Parsons bend and run. There's only a couple of those guys. So as a guy that I watched in college, and said, hey, he, he kind of puts his hand hands on people he doesn't use his hands, that's still something he's gotta work. You know, just put your hands on people, have a purpose. Like, don't lay them on somebody. Um, you know, there's a whole science to when to have your arm extended, when you're, when you're gonna put a long arm on somebody, and when you wanna come in with a bent arm and turn it into power. It's a whole feel thing, uh, and, and he's just gotta get a feel for that. My big thing is with Thibodeau, New York, there's a chance they're not that good. And this is a this is a, you know, kind of a lame duck year for Danny Dimes maybe, right? Unless something major happens like y- you don't know that he's going to be the quarterback of the future. Uh quarterback, big market, quarterback struggles, big market, um team that hasn't won in a while, so there's not a lot of patience, uh, a history of not drafting well in recent uh history. Uh you know, big media market and then his personality is one that like He's going to say what's on his mind, mm-hmm. right? Like he's more vocal for a rookie, and there's no problem there. But I could foresee this being an interesting year. You know, if you look up and you're struggling, you're playing in New York, and you're learning because this is going to be a curve for him. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to learn how to use technique. He's going to have to learn how to use his hands. I think you can do that. Uh, there was a learning curve for me, but I played in St. Louis. Right. You know, so... Um, a little different. Yeah, the, the amount of people crowded around your locker asking... Hey, why six weeks in do you have you know a sack or one and a half sacks or why haven't you been getting there? And these people don't know you're on a bad team. The ball's coming out quick. There's nobody around you creating pressure. There's maybe not good coverage. Um, that could make for an interesting storyline this mm-hmm. year. If if he's not playing well immediately, uh, especially because when I look at 
Aiden Hutchinson, who I'm going to talk about in a minute here, uh, and Trayvon Walker, uh, those guys might be pretty productive. So the comparison thing, the market, the whole thing, he's got a little bit of a learning curve when it comes to using his hands and being the player um, that they drafted, right? Mm-hmm. Which, who's going to be a guy that has to that has to get home at the very least, disrupt the quarterback. I just think some of his physical tools, ironically, are not there. Yeah, you know, everybody, you know, you look at Hutchinson and you, you say high motor guy, this, that, and third. He's a pretty gifted guy. Pretty gifted guy, um, and Walker's very gifted. He's probably the least gifted of the three. And he's going to have to work the hardest on his technique, which is a tough combination. So um, the other thing that people were talking about in that game was the Joe Judge, Matt Patricia calling plays deal, which I talked to one quarterback, um, NFL quarterback, and um, he was like, this is a bad deal. And not because he doesn't think that, that they can learn how to call plays. I mean, face value, that's pretty interesting that these guys have never been offensive coordinators. Right. Um, not to mention they're still getting paid by the teams that fired them, which is a really interesting, this is crazy. I mean, how many times do you see two guys co-coordinating a side of the ball that they've never worked on um, and, and they're still getting paid by their last team? They were head coaches a year ago. They were head coaches ago. a year ago. It's just, this is gonna make for some good TV, but what it's not gonna do is it's not gonna set Mac Jones up for success. And somebody who I've wondered aloud if he's gonna take a step back year or two for a number of reasons, uh, this doesn't help. I heard Matt Patricia's calling plays in 11 on 11. Mac Jones is trying to put a spin on it, right? He's like, I get three voices, it's great. Like, mm-hmm. spin zone, like you don't want three voices. Right, you, you want, want one, one voice, voice and you want, you want to collaborate with that person. And you want to collaborate, you yep. want to collaborate with them and it's their job to collaborate with the other coaches. But as a player, you don't, there's nothing more frustrating as a player than hearing things that are kind of loosely contradictory. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not directly, especially for a quarterback I could imagine, gotta be really tough. So Mac Jones is in for it when it comes to like, who can I like key in on? Who can I, cause you're talking about Bill, you're talking about Joe, you're talking about Matt. Um, I kind of wonder why um, Bill's doing this. I mean, I really do. Is it just that he's like a fucking wingsuit guy? Like, you know, he's just tried everything. He's just, it's not dangerous enough for him. He's got to trot Matt and Joe out to call offensive plays, which by the way, I don't think they did that bad a job. They, they were, they were, you know, I only watched a few series. I watched the, the, the draft picks and that sort of thing. Hey, there's a lot of preseason games. Mixed reviews, but they were aggressive. Okay. You saw some insert runs with this young kid, Thornton. They took shots to Thornton, by the way, drafted before, uh, Pickens, who we'll talk about, he's one of nine or ten receivers drafted before Pickens. I think we'll be talking about that. Um, but they took shots. Uh, you know, they 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 were aggressive. It, it was fun. Like the the offense was kind of fun. Now take the preseason with a grain of salt. Brian Hoyer's got to be pissed because <laughs> he's like thirty six years old. He's been in the league fourteen years. He's looking around. Kyler Murray's basically playing video games for a soundbite over there with Cliff Kingsbury just to fuck around. He gets to call plays. And Brian Hoyer can't call any plays. It, even worse, he's got two substitute teachers. They don't even fucking... They'll be here all year. Right. Hi, I'm your substitute teacher. Oh, you from math class. I'm going to be teaching geography the entire year, dude. It's going to be a tough deal for Brian Hoyer. And Hoyer came from being very trusted, highly trusted, and highly talked about by Tom Brady when he backed up Tom Brady. It's, and now it's you just, have these two guys who 
you know, what Brian Hoyer is like, what are your accolades? What do you know Maybe they about need a these fourth things? voice. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Because if I'm Brian Hoyer, like, I'm like, damn, guys, I might know more about quarterback than anybody in this in this building and right. more about offense than anybody in this building. Uh, I'm not discounting these guys. I don't, like I said, I don't think they did a bad job. But uh, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. I've never seen anything like it. It's like it. one of those things, um, you know, the assistant coach, like you could say Brian Hoyer could be the quote-unquote assistant yeah. coach. Um, Patricia and Judge send in the play, and then Brian Hoyer has like a side headpiece into yeah. Mac Jones, and he's like, don't you do that. The fourth don't you say, don't you, you throw that ball to the tight end, yeah. he's going to be open five yards yep. in. You throw that ball to the tight end. Don't you, don't you throw to the right side. I would think Hoyer's uh, a great football mind. I mean, he's been in a long time, and you know, fly on the wall for me is Brian Hoyer in meetings, getting coaching points from people that have never caught, coached offense. Mm-hmm. That's got to be tough. Uh, Mac Jones is young at least he's got to kind of just like and Hoyer's got to play his part too and be the mentor and everything but and it's going to be an interesting soup there in New England like Very all these ingredients and how tough I mean we talked Chata. about it a second but Mac Jones coming off a very productive first year that yeah. everyone thought he was going to just take off yeah um and follow the ascension of a Justin Herbert of um you know some of the these other young quarterbacks and now he has this to deal with. Yeah. He was ranked 85th, you know, in the top mm-hmm. 100. A By lot the of, way, friendly reminder, Reed, I've never seen anybody vote on that. Which, that's right. Never seen anybody vote on top 100. I've seen them come around the, the locker room and hand us sheets and people fill out seven to 10 names. Do you, like, do the math. Do you really think you're getting enough votes from players in the middle of OTAs after practices on sheets of paper when guys haven't showered yet and they're trying to go home, that's when I've said, maybe you guys are shipping them out in the mail or you know, you're know, doing some big meeting where, where I wasn't invited, but everybody's talking about each other. This is not a player list, okay? There are player influences. This is not a player list. They'll be like, do you feel like voting for top 100? I'm like, sure, like how could I go past seven? Like there are people who watch all 32 teams intently and can't make these calls in the media. Like it's hard to do. If you ask me to do a top 100 list, I would struggle. And I'm in the media. I watch a lot of football. When I played, do you think I was paying attention to every player in the league? Right. In the there, midst of a season? There can't be a way. So, by the way, throw that list out. Okay. The commentary, as somebody put it today, I forget who said it, but uh, the commentary is very good. It's worthwhile to hear the players talk about each other, but the rankings. Um, you were talking about Mac Jones, 85th this year in the top 100. It's going to be hard to, to to imagine him having a better year with everything stacked against mm-hmm. him now. Right. You know, they, these are they, they could shock me, um, but but I don't feel great about it, especially after talking to another a quarterback in the league who was like, "Dude, three voices? You're telling me that's a positive? Please, dude, that's not a positive. Now they could be great play callers, but that's tough for a quarterback." Do you think a backup QB could be an offensive coordinator at the same time, like a player coach? Yeah, for sure. I think they could. Yeah, I think they could. I think Tom Brady could be a coordinator right now. You know, uh, I'm sure there's been some guys who have great Peyton football pretty much mind. did it in Denver. Yeah, hey, listen, Chad Henney. Yeah. Hey, Chad Henney's, he's our age. And by the way, Brian Horace, 36. He's younger than me. Did, <laughs> does that seem me. right to you? No, it seems like Brian Hoyer should be older than me. A way Thank older you. than you. Okay, all right. So, anyways, that game interesting uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, they're not all going to be that interesting. Those are two 
uh, hot hot topic teams with with high draft picks. Hutchinson, the Lions, man. I just want to say this: Lions could be fun, dude. The Lions could be fun this year. I know we said we that that's not like a hot take, but they could actually be. It could be a tough Sunday for people to go to Ford Field um, to Deepwater Stadium there. If you think about it, hey, I'm watching their game, and the ones are in against the the ones or the twos in Atlanta. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I can't tell the difference sometimes. I mean that that team's going to struggle, but the Lions, you know, up front is going to be the key to that offense. Like three first rounders, you have a the seventy fifth pick, you know, Vitae, who came from uh, from the Eagles, who's a big physical guy. They signed him to like a five year deal. That offensive line is going to be the engine of that offense and the backs they have. Right, they have very good backs, play action pass. They move in unison well. Okay. I kind of have a feeling Detroit's going to be a tough place to play. Out of all the sneaky, tough places to play, think about this. First off, they're, are they on East Coast time? Mm-hmm. Okay, at least you got that going for you because you don't want to play Central. You play one of these Central teams, you got to wake up an hour earlier. It's all fucked up, you know. Um, but you stay in Windsor, which is actually Canada. Mm-hmm. When you go up to play Detroit, like a lot of times we play, really? we stay in Windsor. Huh. Yeah, Detroit's pretty far up there. Really. It is, but... Yeah, it still seems yeah, you surprising. You could play somewhere else. You could you could stay somewhere else. I'm sure, but like wherever you're staying in Detroit, it's sleepy. You look out mm-hmm. your window, you're just kind of like, "Fuck, I'm in Detroit." And then in the morning, you wake up, uh, you, you get going, you get to that field. The field is like concrete. They're physical. Surprise! They've been waiting for you. They're out there with fucking with no life jacket in the deep end. They're trying to drag <laughs> you out there, dude. It, it's going to be uh, a sneaky, tough place to play. Um, you're basically seeing like a a cockfight for $43. It's going to be violent, <laughs> dude. So They're playing like their lives depend on it, dude. $43, of course, is how much it costs uh, to, to attend a Lions game if you're part of the uh, Lions loyalty membership, which is uh, something I saw on preseason programming, along with Hungry Howie's Pizza. <laughs> So, so yeah, uh, Hutchinson, he looks really fast on that fast Detroit turf, man. He looks fast on the Detroit turf. Hips might still be, you know, a challenge at the top of the rush. Yeah, I didn't get to see much of him. It's the perfect preseason game for Aiden Hutchinson. You know, you get like nine, ten plays, the second play of the game. You blow up the running back in the backfield. Everybody in the stadium's hyped. You get the hometown guy making a play early. So everybody's like, we can relax. He's good, mm-hmm. you know? And I do think when you talk to guys on that team, and I have talked to a couple, they think he's going to be pretty good. And that's what, I mean, you saw it in Hard Knocks. The coaches sitting around, and they all uh, nearly in unison said, we hit. We yeah, hit we on hit. this guy. And that's what they want. They, they want to know, are they going to have a guy that can contribute mm-hmm. and play at a high level? What, what he's going to be, with the numbers, that sort of thing, like, we'll see. But can he play in this league at a high level? And the guys think he can. You know, the guys that you talk to can. Uh, in private, they set it on hard knocks for whatever that's worth. But um, you know, he's going to be a, a decent player, man. At the very least, his rookie year, he has good instincts. He's willing to put his hat in there. Um, they did move him around a lot. Will that be a problem? I don't know. He moved around a lot in college, especially his first couple years, if you remember that, um, before kind of settling in his last year. I guess it was, uh, but it was a good day for him. Again, eight ten plays. You've been grinding in camp. You know, they say don't look for the light. That's going to be the train. But you look for a little light after that first preseason game. You get a you get a weekend, right? Depending on what what Dan the man gave them, mm-hmm. uh, you, you get a weekend. You're you're the hometown kid. 
you're hanging out in your hometown, you, you make a play the second play of the game, you're playing with house money, it's always nice when you, when you make a play early, you feel like the pressure's off you. You make that play early, and you go on the sideline and pack a dip, dude. That used to be the best, uh, especially when I was a vet. You know, you, you, you come out there, second half with that, um, you know, after you go in and take your, your, your shoulder pads off, you, you put your jersey on, right? And you, yeah, put my little tin of Kodiak down in my sock maybe a candy bar to a house, a couple uncrustables in the locker room. You know what I mean? Like, well, you don't, but. No, nope, uh, but I can imagine. But you know, they say that the ones are down and you go in the locker room and you're like, um, you're like, fuck, I'm hungry. You know, you, 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 you eat, you eat snacks, you eat BS, cause you just burned it off playing nine plays. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then you go out in the second half and as Michael Irvin said on NFL Network, you try to stay as close to the sideline as you can to be uh, invested in what those mm-hmm. younger players are doing. Um, but for him, he's got no choice. He's got to get up on the line and watch. He can't. He can't like big dog it back on the bench. He's right. still a rookie, but right. a great weekend for him. You know, he makes a play early. He's got. A, he got the weekend off, and uh, he's a hometown kid. So yeah, it's a, it's a good day at the office for him. You're watching, you know, the game for Aiden Hutchinson, and you stay for this kid, um, you know, Malcolm Luciano Rodriguez. Who's, who's hopefully a friend of the program in the future. I shot him a, a follow on IG, followed us back. So we got to get Malcolm Rodriguez on once he makes the team here. Six rounder, young budding star of hard knocks, uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, and this good kid, dance moves. Good dance moves. Showed up. You know, it was time to, to show up and show out as a rookie during hazing. He did that. So, like, step one, he presented himself cool, calm, and collected. Um, and then he gets out on the field and he makes a bunch of plays. Like people watching him uh, the other night are kind of like, "Damn, everything we're hearing about camp is actually true." This is a six rounder that's getting getting burned with the ones. That's a tough deal, dude. Like, think of how quick we're in the first preseason game. He he's had five padded practices, whatever it is. I don't know, seven mm-hmm. to to prove that he's an NFL caliber linebacker. And Dan Campbell and company are like, "Yeah, you're gonna get some reps." Six rounder, you don't draft a guy that's supposed to, you know, supposed to play a bunch of snaps for you in the six rounds. So right. They, at the very least, they hit on this kid. I mean, he's just a yoke dude, man. Like that guy. I saw him. He got in the backfield, and some fullback was trying to finish him. He blew up the play, and the fullback's like on his shoulder, and then he just humps him. He just like hip tosses the guy, like he's throwing him out of a fucking bar in Stillwater. And I'm like, <laughs> he's going to be doing a lot of this in the NFL. He's going to be very popular. Uh, because in, you know, hard knocks. His stardom on hard knocks is kind of marrying up with his play. And he had he was making plays on defense, like yep, you just said. Teams. He was making plays on special teams yep, too. Yep. And and listen, he's the classic dude who's going to play way longer than people think. He's going to play at a high level. He's going to make a bunch of tackles, and people are really going to like him on his team. Because when you're a lower round draft pick, like there's no pressure. You know, it's harder. It's harder to make a team. But once you've exhibited that you can play, like people are all rooting for you. Mm-hmm. There's no hating. Like nobody's hating on a six round pick. Everybody's like, yo, that guy is electric. He's fun. Um, and uh, and and you can tell his teammates like him. Yeah. So good deal for him. And then Ritter, I had heard Ritter played really well. You know, people were kind of on Ritter. He was all right. I'll give you that. He was all right. He he reminds me of Tannehill strangely a little bit. And when I went to Google that last night to see if anybody has said that, because I wasn't exactly doing a bunch of study on Desmond Ritter, 
going in the draft. In fact, the last time I saw him play was Bama. The pocket was a lot cleaner right, right. against the Lions than it was against Bama. Holy shit. <laughs> he had said he models his game after Tannehill. One, because of his longevity. This is a quote. Two, for his, his game management. And uh, he's also a great player. He, he threw a bad pick, right, in that game. And, of course, nobody remembers it because a penalty wiped it. It was a bad roughing the passer, but it wasn't a great pick. Uh, and they missed a couple balls in two minutes. I know these, these are minor things, but, you know, I always like to see what a young quarterback does in two minute. Solid performance by him, but maybe not. Again, like, let's not overreact. Kid was solid. Uh, missed the guy in two minute in zone. And then, like, you know, the play that you're supposed to sprint, hit the out, get out of bounds, kick the field goal. He's behind the out. So, like, little things like that. You know, uh, no matter how good people say you, you play in preseason, there's little mistakes like that. He did. Um, he he hit the game winner. Hit he the hit, game winner. You know, Jared Bernhardt on the game winner, mm-hmm. um, fourth and nine, and he had a couple great uh, plays where he changed the protection. Noticed mm-hmm. noticed someone was going on, was able to change the protection, but he was still just ten of twenty two. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, it's a start, and yeah. they said he was pro ready. Yep. He he is kind of pro ready. He did, I'm not saying he doesn't strike me. He he'll play this year. He mm-hmm. might play. He's going to play this year probably. Yeah. Right. Um. I hope not. Because <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to hit the under win total. Right. But I think by the end of the, the season, he could be. I don't want to make any blanket statements here. Let me not do the thing that I said we weren't going to do because it's fucking preseason, dude. And let me, I add this: I watched Trayvon Walker this weekend. He looks good. Okay, had a nice inside move on uh, Jedrick Wills. I mean, I think he forced a hold. You know, there's not a lot to see, but people online, man, they're just. These preseason clips, not only are they they out of context, they're overreactive, but, you know, I have a Trayvon Walker showing up big again, forcing a fumble video, and I'm looking at Trayvon Walker just being in the, in the frame, who's unblocked. And I think the kid's going to be a really good player, but if I quote tweet that and I'm like, hey, just for the sake of people knowing what the fuck's going on, this isn't Trayvon Walker, I'm going to be called a hater. What I realized in watching preseason football is people are so overreactive and know so little about what's going on, a lot of misinformation can spread relatively easy. I mean, like I went on YouTube to watch some of these, it was the worst mistake of my life. (laughs) Some of these highlight tapes that are already up with analysis are so bad on these D linemen. Um, But Walker looks like a player, Hutchinson looks like a player, I'm worried about Thibodeau. Uh, Quarterbacks, man. This is where this is where the money is, man. Because most of y'all are probably like, I don't give a fuck about these rushers. You just care because you're a pass rusher. But I do think it's a premier position that people care about. So I have to go through it. Lance and Love, Green Bay, San Francisco. Now, that was an important game to watch, right? Love struggled at times. He didn't struggle as much as the stat sheet said. Uh, two ints, not all on him. Do you remember the first one was a tip, and the second one? As I was buzzing through, I thought completion, mm-hmm. and I just kept buzzing. I had to go back to realize that 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 uh, the it, ball was taken away from that wide receiver. He put it in a spot a to where, spot. yeah, to yeah. tough spot, and it was not helped when the receiver kind of came down. He just basically handed it exactly to the, to the DB. Exactly. So listen, Jordan Love, Schrager, and those guys. I was watching Good Morning Football, and Schrager was like, "Listen, I'm, I'm not going to overreact to this. This is." I don't think this this convinced me of Jordan Love, but it, it didn't convince me that he can't play. We've seen so little of him. You know, if I had to bet, he's probably not going to be a star in the league, 
but he's also been stashed away for a whole lot of time right now, and his life hasn't been that easy. Can you imagine not playing football and being on a football team in Green Bay? Like living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, no offense to anybody who lives in Wisconsin, and not getting to play football. You know what I mean? Like it's fucking, it's maddening if you're Jordan Love. Same like, thing happened to Aaron Rodgers, right? Well, it did, but Aaron Rodgers at least, uh, how long did he have to wait? Until he was 25. He's 25. Jordan Love is going to be 26, I believe, when Aaron Rodgers is uh, is free to walk. And we don't even know that Rodgers is going to walk. You know, he could play great. He could Contract sign session. another deal. I think at this point, Jordan Love, if I'm the Packers, I want to walk a thin line between getting him ready to play and getting ready to trade him. Because that's what a lot of the conversations were last year. They were like, man, Jordan Love could be on this could be on this trade block. Some you of these don't, teams... You don't want to crater his trade value. Right. You, know, you want to convince people. You want to design things uh, in preseason that make him look good as mm-hmm. much as getting the team ready, right? Yep. I might be talking out of my ass here. Maybe they don't trade him. Maybe they have a plan for him that I don't know about. But doing the math, you know, why do you stash a guy like that around if some hungry team would give up draft capital for him and you can go roll the dice again when it's time? Right. Because... I don't think he showed you that he's like this this generational player that you're not going to be looking to replace again uh, if Rodgers walks at yeah, some yeah, point like or retires. So he nearly threw a fourth pick to Ambry Thomas. The third pick was a great play, as good a play by a DB as I saw um, all night. I, it, it was a really nice play. And just um, a hair more out in front. A hair he, more he'd out in have front. A 12 yard completion. At least, yes. Yeah, safety might have knocked his block off, mm-hmm. but there was a place to put that football. Trey Lance, okay, I just want to say this. He doesn't just affect the, you know, how he plays doesn't just affect the balance in the NFC West. How he plays affects the balance in the uh, in, in the NFC period mm-hmm. and the Super Bowl because this is a team with Jimmy G that we've talked about a lot has been plays away. And Trey Lance gives them an element that they never had with Jimmy G. Think about marrying all that, you know, and they don't do, you know, Bill Barnwell wrote about it today and, and put him as the number one breakout candidate, Trey Lance. Um, he got more more um, experience than we thought he did last year, right? You know, I think he had 178 snaps last year. That's a lot of football being quietly played. Some of these NFC West games that people weren't as cued in on, right? Um, some of these these Sundays that we were watching something else, Trey was Trey was getting some experience. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, and I was I, I was wrong about it. I didn't know what they were doing. This has been the plan. And hopefully it's coming to fruition for them because if you're sitting in that division, you're saying, hey, last year we beat the Rams twice. They're running it back after a Super Bowl. You know, all the challenges that 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 go with that. Matthew Stafford's elbows fucked up. They're not letting him throw the ball deep in practice. You can explain that away all you want. But to me, that's concerning. You know, you don't deny somebody deep throws in training camp unless there's going to be a problem that probably sticks around all season. This is not a new problem. If this was something that popped up in training camp and it was acute, like it was a situation where uh, he dinged it week two, he had a bursitis or something like that or a strain, then you chalk that up to being older, you know, the law of averages, but something that, that you know, Sean McVay and Peter Schrager pointed this out on the show, came back knowing full well whatever the injury was with Matt Stafford, turned down a bunch of TV, uh, you know, deals to come back and run it back with Matt Stafford. To me, that's not, provo- it's provocative on on Schrager's point, bringing that up, but I don't think he's gonna walk and go 
and 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 go sit behind a, a microphone because Matt Stafford's arm is fucked up. I think that that you know this is something that could rear its ugly head this year. And if it does, I look at that division. I went to put in a long shot bet on the Niners. The shot is not so long. I mean, they're plus one sixty to win the division. Rams are plus one thirty on win bet. Cardinals are plus three fifty. So Vegas knows something, right? Vegas always knows. Well, Vegas knows that the, the Niners have been a hiccup away from doing the whole damn thing with a guy who I really like, although I really like and his teammates really like him. Every time he dropped back in a big situation and looked over the middle of the field where he liked to live and short, uh, you were afraid of a catastrophe. And oftentimes it happened, right? And not to mention that, you can marry all your run concepts up with more quarterback run. You can marry it up with better play action pass. You're going to throw the ball deep more. The percentage of deep throws just in those 178 plays for Trey Lance was up around like over 20 yard throws. They were up around 18%, whereas Jimmy's down at like eight. So you're going to stretch the field more. If this kid wants to make mistakes this year, and he will, do it aggressively, right? Don't throw that slant for a pick six. Get the ball down the field, and I think they will. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about the Niners. I, I hate saying that, but I am. And I mean, um, just talk about the conference championship last year. Yeah. The final drive for the Niners, interception. Interception, dude. Short left. Their, their year ends on an interception. So if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're grappling with like your entire professional career, you're like, dude, I know I'm a great coach. I made a mistake in the Super Bowl, right? I, you know, I threw the ball one, one too many times, three too many times or whatever <laughs> it was. I'll never get that back. You get all the way to the mountaintop, Jimmy overthrows, you know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. You get all the way to the ma- mountaintop, Jimmy J- Jimmy gets picked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you start to resent the quarterback, even if you like him, even if he's a great guy, even if he's a good player. Your team is so good and so ready to win the whole damn thing. You got to believe that if you're going to fail this year, you don't fail safe, you know? Uh, and that's what he's doing with, uh, you know, it's just that time. It's time. It's time. So I'm, I'm excited about Trey Lance. I'm, I'm buying Trey Lance. I'm also buying, uh, I'm also buying Justin Fields. I'm You've been stock. on that I've been, Justin Fields well, I'm train I'm on the Justin while. Fields train, dude. I really think when it's all said and done, he could be the best one in the class. He could be the best one in the class. He's just in such a shitty situation right now. Um, the first play of that game, you know, first third down, Chris Jones is on him in like a second, dude. Mm-hmm. But he really throws the ball with touch well. He really throws the ball with touch well. He's so big and athletic. I mean, and seems like such a great kid. I'm a Justin Fields fan. Okay, so I'm hitching my wagon to this kid. You can tweet me if he sucks. You can tweet me every Sunday he throws a pick six if he, if he doesn't pan out. But if he's good, you will never hear the end of it from me because I really think he's going to be good. And I really think the Bears... Um, aren't bad enough to hold him back. I mean, they're bad, mm-hmm. but I don't think with a new coach, you know, hopefully some stability. Uh, you know, they had that side be, side by side of him with Nagy and him with Eberflus. Um, you know, it also makes you wonder if Mitchell Trubisky is going to play better in Pittsburgh. Right. Sometimes the problem is not the player. Um, I think that Justin Fields is going to take a step forward this year, even if the team doesn't take a step forward, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be about keeping him healthy. That's all I worry about, him being healthy. He's going to get hit a lot. I'm big into Justin Fields. I think Mooney and Fields is going to be a fun, saw that back shoulder throw. It's going to be a really fun combination. He just put it in a spot. Mooney can go up and get it. Really fun. Good move by a second-year quarterback. Really fun. 
Also, that field is gross. It's terrible. The stadium uh, should never go away. I know we're going to move to Arlington Heights here, and maybe this is a, you know, con- putting my conspiracy theory hat on. It's like, let's see how shitty the field can get so people complain. They say, we got to move the stadium because the field is gross to be August. They can't get that thing figured out at all. I don't understand it. Also, Kyle and the slide. So Justin Fields got popped. I guess there was no penalty called. It was Juan Thornhill, UVA kid, just finishing through the play. He rolls right. At first glance, and anytime you put this stuff in slow motion, it favors the quarterback, right? It's always, God damn, he's been sliding for six minutes. But Kyle tweeted out, all I see here is a bad slide by a baseball player, in so many words. It was like he forgot he played in Chicago for a decade, uh, and that all these people are probably uh, incensed at the, that hit, even though the, the, the hit on Jalen Hurts was way worse in the in, in, in yeah. preseason. He was running out of bound. I, th- I thought he played that off really well. Again, good night for him, too, Jalen Hurts. And, uh, and, you know, like he's really good on the mic, too, after games. He, you know, they, they, this uh, little digression here, but Jalen Hurts was asked about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and like how one's the best friend and, and the other's not and that sort of thing. And like, how does he feel about, you know, how did, how do you think Devontae Smith feels about him and A.J. being best friends? And he's like, you're not gonna get me to even comment yeah. on that. Cause he knows where words can go. Yep. You know, even if he, even if he, he's clearly joking, he knows how clickbait works. He's been taught about rat poison since his freshman year. He's been learning about rat poison since he was a wee lad, dude. Yep. That's a great point, Reed. <laughs> Credit Nick Saban. Nick Saban. And and uh and he did the same thing with the hit after the game. He's like, listen, if that's the 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 thing we're talking about from this game, like I'm cool. Even though it probably pissed him off. Right. And it pissed Nick Sirianni off, who uh who was who was white hot after that shit. Philly fans were like, he's one of us. All the fans that that said he'd never He'd never amount to anything because he was shaky during his press conference because yeah, yeah. he was nervous. Uh, he is, he is quote-unquote, one of us. I, I, I like Sirianni's attitude. The slide is where we were. The slide, I think the slide was late. I, I think I'm with Kyle on that. I, th- I think the slide was a little bit late. It wasn't the greatest slide. Green light personality speaking the truth. That's all. At all against all odds. I, I wouldn't have had the balls to tweet that, right? If Jalen Hurts uh, slid late and just got decapitated uh, one Sunday... I'm not going to be the one. Well, he did slide late. I'm going to sit that out. So kudos to Kyle for speaking his mind. It's a good sign. A sign of things to come. Um, the rookies, man. You know, Howell played well. Kind of stole the show a little bit in the second half. I got to be honest. I know he's playing against nobody, but the ball comes off his hand pretty good. Uh, Carson played a whole half in Washington. If you're watching that game, that's what you got to do. I played Carson the entire preseason because. The delta between Carson and Heineke and Howell, they're right there. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know what Howell's going to be, but Carson and Heineke, like, hey, find out what you got with Carson, mm-hmm. right? Um, let him earn that job. Don't give him that job. Make him earn it. And, and I love Carson. That's my guy and everything. I always say this, but he's got to earn it. And, uh, and I think playing him a lot this preseason is going to be the answer. And you were saying Washington could... Washington is probably the team that has the three, has three quarterbacks on their roster that could win an NFL game. You could start it and it's feel pretty, comfortable about having it's a pretty shot. Funny. I don't know what I don't know what what Howell's going to be, but yeah. from what I saw, it's like they kind of have the most average QB room, like mm-hmm. front to back. Yeah. it's just like 
nobody's terrible. If Hal pans out, nobody's terrible. Nobody's great. Right. You know, um, we'll see. Uh, Malik Willis, I'm not going to overreact as bad as I'd like to. I've been on that train for a long time, half jokingly saying he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and all this shit. But like, he, he he's at the very least going to be a fun player to watch. Uh, whether he succeeds or not, we'll see. Whether he really challenges Tannehill, we'll see. Uh, the sidearm throws great. The deep balls, it's nice to see, right? Um, moonshot. It's a moonshot. It's uh, it's also you know when they when they show those plays, they, they show three nice throws. They don't show the pick six. He almost throws the first play. The, of the first game. play that his game could have been completely different. Completely different. So you know. It's all about that Tecmo Bowl celebration by him, <laughs> his first touchdown where he actually dragged Stephen Means, former Eagles great, who had a sack, um, into the end zone. He did the, the you know, that Tecmo just pointed the sky. Uh, and lastly, Kenny Pickett. I, I need to see more, you know? No challenging throws. Pickens looks fucking otherworldly. He looks fun. Putting a DB on his butt. And then going and, and toe tapping. I would have. I would have. Some of the the clips of him just blocking the fuck out of yeah. people in college. I would have. I would have probably drafted him just because of that. Now I know he only played three games. Uh, you know, his last year. I know there was like uh, you know some character stuff or whatever. But ten wide receivers before him. We're going to be talking about George Pickens uh, and all the wide. He's going to be the DK. I DK feel, Metcalf. Yeah, I feel bad for all the receivers that they're going to list off before him. Now, there's going to be some good ones in that group, but he's going to be a great one. Yep. And Pittsburgh just continues to find great wide receivers, including Gunnar Oshevsky, which is a really smart move by the Steelers uh, because um, they have one of the, the highest Polish populations in America. There's almost 30,000 Poles in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I don't know how they figure this out on Wikipedia, but when you look at it, Matt was like, well, Chicago's got a pretty high percentage too. Actually, Pittsburgh's percentage is is eight, and uh, and Chicago's in the sevens. So, if you think about it, Trubisky to Orshevsky is going to be one of the most popular connections in Pittsburgh. If 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 if, if uh, Trubisky can hold off Pickett and Mason Rudolph and that sort of thing, it's a Pittsburgher. It's it's a <laughs> Pittsburgher. Yeah, it's a Pittsburgher. And then and then uh, and then you know had me thinking. I was like, how far back do you have to go in Pittsburgh? to find a white wide receiver that actually got a lot of burn um, in the offense. And I had the guys go back and look, and they, they gave me a guy uh, from the 50s. They said uh, Buddy Dial in 1959, I think, was you have to go back to Buddy Dial. I mean, think about it. When's, and I'll ask the fans. I mean, you use some Pittsburgh, some Yinzers listening to this podcast. But, um, like, when's the last time y'all were throwing a white guy a lot? Not a tight end. You've had plenty of those. I was thinking it's like a prerequisite up there. If you want to be a tight end, you, you got to be a co- co- cockazoid to be a tight end in Pittsburgh. But uh, but Oshevsky, man, I haven't seen a white boy catching balls up there in a long time. A long time. Ten receivers ahead of George Pickens. Just remember that. Um, quick shout-outs. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, he's headed to Seattle. I couldn't think of a better location for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He's going to be a great fit there. It's the furthest possible city away from Philadelphia uh, in the NFL. And if they had a team in Anchorage, uh, I would wish for him that they sent him to the Anchorage team. 
because like for him, I think it's just about getting as far away from Philly as possible. And I feel bad for the kid. He didn't ask to get drafted before DK Metcalf. He didn't ask to get drafted before whoever else it was. You know, I think he got drafted before McLaurin. It was rough for him in Philly. So I'm really happy that he's going to get a fresh start in Seattle. Nobody's going to watch him play for the next three. He's going to be, whether he's good or not, nobody's going to know. This is the perfect reload. It's like witness protection. If there's a football witness protection this year, would you say it would be Seattle? Yes. So he's in witness protection, dude. Because, I mean, you're not going to be not having a quarterback. You can't be yelled at. Yeah, and nobody's watching these games. I mean, Seattle fans are finally going to feel what it feels like to root for a team that you just can't find the game on Mm -hmm. TV. You can't. Just not relevant this year. And that's okay. I might tune in to watch the cross, kid. Um, People were watching preseason this weekend, though. It got about 6 million views. Like the the average game this weekend got about six million views on national television. And what's the average NFL game? About seventeen or eighteen, so it's about thirty three percent. Wow, we split we split it right down the middle. And if you want to think about it this way, the average like TNT NBA game is about one point five million. So a preseason game is four times as popular as an NBA regular season Jeez. game. I wonder about the average playoff game in the NBA. I also want to shout out. Uh, I want to shout out Bryce Perkins, UVA zone. The, the father of the Hokies. That's right. The, the breaker of streets. Probably his most well-known nickname. Yeah, the father of the Hokies. That's right. Yeah. And he Bryce got shout-outs from Brandon Staley and uh, Sean McVay. That's great. He got, for, a lot of, he got a lot of burn. Played the whole game. Yeah. Had great carries. Threw up a, a couple great balls. Now, I know I say preseason, take it with a grain of salt, but in this case, take this to the bank. This kid's going to the Hall of Fame. That's right. Love Bryce Perkins. Put all uh, uh, Bryce Perkins MVP everything passing yards over passing yards touchdowns everything how about chase winovich i had to stop the film in the cleveland game to be like is that chase winovich wearing number 69 did he decide of all the numbers there he was going to go 69 yeah like yeah jared allen's the only one who ever made it work for me Ever and <laughs> I wonder if he was helped at all because of the Vikings jersey because like City. what what kind of jersey you're in too but I, dude that Cleve it didn't look it didn't look great and especially on that side of the line but shout out to him for having the balls to just be like hey I'm gonna for this entire year on national television wear number sixty nine you know what I mean uh, and then uh, and then I, I want to shout out uh, I want to shout out oh I want to shout out that punter Ariza. 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 He hit Ariza. And that motherfucker <laughs> went 80 yards, 82 yards, dude. Bombed 82 it. yards, that punter kicked the ball. And here's my hot take. That that play is 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 more that punt is more representative of that player's skill than than anything I saw all weekend. I don't know shit about punting, but do the like just just do the work in your head here. He's punting against no one. Mm-hmm. He's punting against air. Okay, like Punting outside of the elements is a pretty standardized activity. Yeah. Like your operation time probably speeds up against a good special teams or that sort of thing. And I have to ask like Pat McAfee or Johnny Hecker. Um, But this guy punted the ball 82 yards, 82 yards. And he's a drafted punter, which always gets talked about. He probably got a ton of press. He wasn't the first punter drafted, but how about being a drafted punter? You walk out the first punt you hits 82 yards. Talk about living up to the hype. Yeah, dude. Like that guy's good. Yeah. Go sit down somewhere. Right. 
and punt in September. And he's somebody you you come off the bench as a or you come off the field as a punter. You go to the bench. Everybody's mobbing you after an eighty-two yard. Everybody, punt. dude. Every it was a touchback. Who the fuck cares? Right. Would have been better if it was sixty-three yards. Right. But yeah, but Fair big deal. Eighty-two. Or yeah. Whatever. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like that was impressive, and I know exactly how far he can kick the ball. Right. It's not like some of these other players. I'm like, who are they playing against? Um, like Matt McAfee, like a Pro Bowl punter, only went over 70 once his entire career. Guy's going to the Hall of Fame. So we got Bryce Perkins, Hall of Fame. Matt Ariza, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. We'll also shout out Joe Reed, touchdown this weekend. Oh, he had a touchdown? He had a touchdown. Cut a touchdown. Joe Reed. It was the UVA shout Bowl there in Boys. Los Angeles. That's yeah, right. it was. You're right. I got served a beer by Joe Reed a couple months ago. We love Joe Reed. We love Joe Reed. Salt of the earth. So that was the observation deck. I don't think I want to watch any more preseason football. I think I'm all preseason footballed out. Hopefully you, hopefully you learn something. Uh, my job is to tell you what happened so you don't have to do what I did and watch these games. But 30, uh, 33% of y'all are really into this shit. So, Wish your team could find some next-level talent when your business needs somebody with the right skills fast. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed helps star applicants to shine with over 135 assessment tests from cooking to coding. Indeed assessments help take the stress out of the interview process. Your candidates get to prove themselves before the interview and you can dive deeper into talking about what's important to you. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it's time to blow the Hunger Game whistle for Pete Carrill. Yeah. Great coach at Princeton for forever. 1996. Uh, I did not know he was still around. I mean, I would have assumed, and this maybe goes to show what a healthy individual this guy was, but <clears throat> cracking up just talking about it. The guy started the fucking the backdoor cut, basically. I mean, the Princeton yeah. offense, the offense that gave so many of my peers hope <laughs> yep. on the basketball court. So many people that look like me, only with less athletic ability, hope to find a niche on a basketball team. That happened because of Pete Carrill, who I didn't know was still alive. I thought he was like 95 years old when he was coaching in 1996 for Princeton. And they were every year, they were like a 13 seed. 1996, Pete Carrill. Princeton thought he was 90 years old. He died. He was actually only like 70 or 65 or something like that. It's insane, dude. Some older dudes kind of like always look the same age, like Larry David. Larry David's been the same age for quite a while. Like, it's going to be years before Cheryl Hines made sense. <laughs> you know? 
so anyways yeah this guy he 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 started the whole thing and uh and i didn't know he was still around now i do but now he's gone and so i want to blow the hunger games whistle for him rest in peace one of the greatest basketball minds of all time of all time dude of all time so yeah i was thinking <laughs> i'm not real good at this knowing who's around still and uh well, we got Dirty Harry coming on later. Maybe we can Let's just bring up. Yeah, it was just, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can flip it around doing Alive or Dead. Yeah, Alive or Dead. We should just do Alive or Dead. dead alive. Gene Hackman. Dead. I think he's alive. Is he really? Yeah, still kicking it. 90-something. Yeah, he's alive. How about... <laughs> <laughs> 92. How about uh, Dennis Hopper? So I, I go back and forth on this one, you know? I see him doing that interview, uh, that documentary during uh, with Francis Ford Coppola that went viral recently. And I was like, I couldn't help thinking to myself, is he dead? So I, I kind of get his mortality confused with um, the guy in Silence of the Lambs. Anthony Hopkins. Yes, Hopper Hopkins. I'm gonna go dead. And then uh, Anthony Hopkins, just do him too. I think he's dead too. Anthony Hopkins, alive. Is he really? Academy Dennis Award Hopper. nomination last year. Yep. Fuck me, where have I been living? See, this is this is what happens when but you Dennis watch Hopper preseason dead. football. Right. Terrible combination for me. Marijuana and NFL media. Think about it. Like, consumes you. Both things. I got one for you. What? Bob Barker. Oh, Bob Barker just died. Nope. Now he's alive? The price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> I, huh? as a, yeah, he's still alive. 98 years old. Okay. You seen Happy Gilmore effects? Yes, absolutely. Good. We like that. Is humor. that overrated? Say it again. Is yeah. Happy Gilmore overrated? Mm, I actually like... I'm more of a Happy Billy Madison Gilmore. guy. Yeah, I like Billy Madison too. Okay. Billy Madison, Adam Sandler is still alive. <laughs> for sure just saw him playing pickup basketball yeah he was playing a little pickup the mm -hmm. other day harold ramus no idea harold ramus <laughs> give me a where what was he in stripes ghostbusters oh um alive rest in peace you're three out of five ghostbusters die huh they can bust them but they can't stop from becoming one former president jimmy carter Jimmy Carter's alive. Diana Ross. Diana Ross. The yeah. mother of Tracy Ellis Ross and Evan Ross. I think she's alive. She is alive. Yeah. I went to Evan Ross. Her, I went to her son's Sweet 16 party. Probably looks great. <laughs> How about Peter Frampton? Well, he came alive, but I don't know if he stayed that way. I think he's dead. No, he's still alive. <laughs> Peter Frampton stays alive would be the best. Would that be the best uh, live album of all time? <laughs> Peter Frampton now. The way it was described to me was like Peter Frampton did a live concert and everybody was like, holy shit, this guy's good. And then he just disappeared. Can you imagine if he just did another one? Frampton stays alive. Dick Van Dyke. He's dead. Anybody I watched on Nick at Night in 1997 is dead. For real. Mork and Mindy. Hold on. He might not be. Dick Van Dyke? Yeah. <clears throat> I think he's dead, Nate. 
He is 96 years old. He's alive. His birthday is the day before mine. Wow. December 13, 1925. Wow. Damn, bro. Birthplace. We were born in the same place? Oh, no, 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 no. Never mind. White West Plains. What if he saw Francis Cleveland and could tell us if she had ass? Can we? <laughs> we should call him, huh? Wow. Yeah. That would be legendary. Yeah. Just have him on the pod. One question. <laughs> if we get through months and months uh, in like publicist after publicist, we get Dick Van Dyke and we just ask him if Francis Cleveland had ass. 96 years old. Do you think he's done a podcast recently? He wouldn't know how to sign off the Zoom. He'd try to like, he'd be like, I'm done with this shit. And he wouldn't be able to get out. Mel Brooks. Oh, your guy, Mel Brooks. That's right. Blazing Saddles. I think he's dead, unfortunately. He is alive. No way. His- That's good. <laughs> How about his movie watching? <laughs> I said no way because I lost the point. But I, <laughs> you want to be wrong in this game. <clears throat> Mel Brooks is a beast. His son actually wrote the book World War Z, which is a great book. Yeah, um, adapted to the big screen, huh? Brad Pitt. That's right. Yeah, there was Bad a scene. I got one. For there you. was a scene. Here's what I remember: there was a scene in a lab. Somebody was trying to break the glass. Impactful right. movie. Carl Reiner. Don't know who that is, Reed. He is Mel Brooks's movie watching partner. They would watch movies literally like every night. They lived next door. They would watch movies every night, and they had to, they uh, deciding on what movie they would watch. It had to say one of three things. One of the things being secure the perimeter. That's what they had to say in the movie. They were like, if this movie <laughs> says this line, we're watching it. I'd love to watch them watch MacGruber. I'm pretty sure they say secure the perimeter in that movie. There's a great episode of comedians and cars getting coffee with those two, with Mel Brooks and Carl. So Reiner. they're alive. Yeah. How about uh, no, speaking of Carl, Carl Reiner's not alive. Yeah, he recently, recently died. I got one for you. What? Sidney Poitier. Oh, he just died. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Fuck, you're just about to twist me up in a pretzel. You tell me first, so. No, Carl Weathers is um, is uh. Apollo Creed. No, I know he's dead. <laughs> no, he's alive. Fuck. He should be alive. God damn, look at how good he looks in, in all the movies. Yeah, no, he's 74. Yeah, he signed with the Raiders after Wait. he went undrafted in 1970. Dude, that, yo. his handshake with Arnold is going to be forever iconic, dude. He is, wait, wait. <laughs> so you didn't know either, for sure. Did you know that he is Combat Carl in Toy Story? That's him? That's his voice? No. I, you know, I, <laughs> Apollo Creed. Yeah, they sneak a lot of really good actors and actresses into cartoon Dang, movies. He's getting the bag for that. What? <laughs> Facts, Carl Weathers played Canadian football just like you, by the way. BC CFL, Lions. CFL, what up? <sighs> CFL going on right now. Shout out to my guys. That segment could have legs. <laughs> I could legit, legitimately do that for a while, just talk about people. And my batting average is legitimately a 200. I'm definitely trying to confuse you, though, okay. which will get harder as time goes on. Okay, good. I'm just going to go home and find out who's alive. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home tonight. It's going to be like 1 in the morning. I'm going to be scrolling through celebrity deaths. I'm just going to be reviewing the Oscars last Harry, five minutes. Harry Belafonte. I'm going to be, yeah. Harry Belafonte, obviously dead. I think he's alive. <laughs> Probably is, but I haven't studied yet. You're gonna have the in memoriam just on a loop. 
Dude, that's what I'm saying, dude. Nobody's going to watch more In Memoriam than me. And Harry Belafonte is alive. Yep. Rip Torn. <laughs> Rip Torn. <laughs> what if Dick Pound and Rip Torn had lunch <laughs> at some point? The IOC, uh, the, the Olympic guy, every year pops up in the news. Did you know this, Nate, that there's a... One of the higher ups at the Olympics that often has to give you know statements when serious things happens. His name's Dick Pound. Richard Pound. No, just Dick. Just Dick. Dick Pound. Dick Pound has spoken. Yeah, dude. Like suck if your dad's name was Dick Pound. Everybody's like, you know what's going on at home with your mom and your dad. <laughs> Like, that would be the easiest joke to make at school, dude. Hey, Mrs. Pound. He's <laughs> <laughs> so easy. Final ruling, Rip Torn. Rip Torn. I think he's dead. You're right. Yeah, well I thought I remember something about Rip Torn being dead. No, I'm not happy about it, though. Who is he again? He's a director. Dodge a wrench, he can dodge a ball. He's he's a, oh, yeah, he's oh, the, the actor. Yep, 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 yeah. he's that Rip Torn. Some people are going to be outraged. I, I, I know faces, dude. I'm a face guy. Yeah. Hockey, Gordie Howe. I think he's alive. Nope, died in 2016. God damn it. I got my one. dad would be crushed. I got I to call my dad. Hold on a second. <laughs> I got one Hold for on, you. Hold on, I'm calling dad. <laughs> he's a huge Gordie Howe fan. Gordie Howe fan who doesn't love me. He's, oh. he's, he probably just found out about Gordy, Gordy Howe. I know what I meant to show you. What? I get a text the other night, and it says, we are concerned about your Gilmore Girls viewing, just saying. And, th and that's from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> my dad texted me also about the Gilmore Girls. So, so they listen to the nostalgic babes. I uh, love it. I love it that they God. know yeah. what the Gilmore Girls is, though. Guys, we'll play this again. We got to bring in Dirty Harry here. You know, we got some mailbag questions, a couple things to tackle. Hey, dude. Hey. All right, let me ask you a question, Howie. Pop quiz, hot shot. Is Dennis Hopper dead? Uh, mm, see, it's kind of tough. Yeah, this has legs. Did he die in Waterworld? He did. The guy with the gills got him. So, yeah. Yeah. The cost got him. Yeah, the cost got him. I don't know what else he's really been in since then. I, you know, didn't really pay, pay attention to him. You Looks like you, you didn't remember. see Speed? But that was, oh, that was right after. 1996 film? That was. Who chose, uh, who chose the girl from Speed for the, uh, Chris, good job. Howie. Nate, Howie. Nate was a little That's upset Sandra with Bullock, Barry. by the way. Sandra Bullock that is girl a girl from, from Speed. Speed. Sandra Bullock. You, oh. you asshole. Uh, hey, Howie. Um, Harry, rather. Cheers. Cheers. Prost. Howie, welcome. Thanks for joining us for a little mailbag, and thanks to everyone who contributed. Facts, the first question is for you. I don't know if you've noticed, but... The water levels of Lake Mead this summer have rescinded to such a degree that, that items are being found on the banks of the lake. And not just items, but human bodies. And one of the human bodies being rolled up into a barrel. Which brings us to the question, how would you dispose of a body if you needed to? 
Oh no, I know. It's Did you guys learn nothing yeah. from the Sopranos? You have to chop that body up. Okay. And in this day and age, I'm going to a nice pig farm. That's that's on everybody's. But they really cracked down on that stuff since Silence of the Lambs. It, you feed the pigs, then. Well, who's pigs? A, who's pigs, Howie? Well, we got to do the research here, and I can't give all my cards away. But you, <laughs> you, you give the bodies to the pigs. Yeah. Then. You get the pigs, right? You kill them, and you sell ham to a grocery store. You sell bacon to Trader mm-hmm. Joe. Boom! There you go. I know what you do. You stash the body at your local public library. Where facts? In the basement, in the stacks, in the basement. A lot of people probably are not going <laughs> to their local li- library <laughs> and think about think about what type of stuff is probably in there from years. And then the people who are in the library now, you think that some of them, if they seen a dead body, they probably wouldn't care. Be- why? What do you mean? I, wh- I mean, why? I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't readers care about it? Okay, body? if that doesn't work, I got another one for you. Okay. I got another one okay, for you. Okay, keep it going. Okay. You sneak the body into the morgue mm, with all the other other dead bodies. And you maybe if you have the time, you steal a, a dead body that, that's there and just hope that that morgue isn't good with their checks and balances. And maybe you could get away with it for a little while. Dude, I've seen this movie a thousand times. Guy at the morgue is like, oh, body popped up. And then the TV's like missing thirty-three year old man. And it's <laughs> no, like, no, and no, 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 no. Like holy no, shit, you that have looks to, a lot like the guy. You have to exchange it with one of the bodies that's obviously already like being refrigerated, like something that's a body that's already been processed. Make sure you don't go cross racial. Like yeah, like hopefully someone who looks similar would be the ultimate. Like yeah, but if you can't, I just feel like hey, you just throw it in there and hope yeah. for maybe human error. I was gonna say, here we go. I like your your uh, library idea. So <laughs> that's such a good idea. It's back, so good. Back to one of points I made a while ago um, on this fine show of your guys is um, thank you. Arby's. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's a good hide, one. Hide the body in an Arby's. Just no one fucking goes to Arby's. We already established. Oh, that's a fan favorite here. Ooh. Cowboy Reed hates Arby's. With, yeah. all, with every fiber in his body. That's right. There's nothing good about Arby's. The government doesn't touch Arby's, so... Look at it. Yeah, it's there. practically like an embassy. Yeah, they're not going to look in the Arby's. <laughs> this is probably Basically. like low-hanging fruit, but like... Eat them. No, probably just... <laughs> Probably just cremate them and turn them into I know, but to the, cat litter. Let's just, say you ha- let's just say you have... I mean, you got to have a crematorium that you can access. The... The fucking the the people in Ozark had to go. They, they got all these. You just need friends. a kiln. It's, it's a whole you just need like like a lot of people have pottery kilns, or you bring them to the Hamptons and you dress them up and you bring them to parties, a la weekend at the Bernies. Okay. <laughs> so do the opposite of hide the body. Hey, hide it in plain sight. Look at that. That's pretty good. <laughs> Look at that. And That's the, pretty good. That's you, up there with the library. You I just, might like that better than the library. You just would have to probably have to have a, what is it? The You have to have a mortician like on payroll yeah. just to, to have their makeup and everything on deck. Like yeah. probably every couple, like every week or so. Yeah, yeah. Hey, come and spruce them up. Maybe change it up a little bit. Yeah. And a stylist. Boom. <laughs> 
Think about, think about, think about, think about, think about there's people out there, their grandparents just like sit in a chair, yo. Like they sit in a chair a lot. They don't move a lot, depending on the age. Just be no, like, hey. So don't hide the body. No, you hide it in plain, yeah, you hide yeah. it in plain sight. Like, you got and, like two days before the body decomposes. <laughs> two? No. Is it two? Depends how humid it is. But that's, I'm, I'm saying, like, hey, <laughs> hey, nowadays, you see what they could do with makeup? There's a lot of girls and people, makeup <laughs> artists, they, they can uh -huh. work wonders with that stuff. So I believe that you can keep that going for a little while. This is from Rick Verz. If you had to fight a third grader around, three third graders in round three, four fourth graders in round four. Oh, yeah. How long do you go? How long do you go? And every 10 rounds, a yoked fifth grader joins the fray. 10 rounds? I'm not making it 10 rounds. Nine ninth graders are gonna, they're gonna dust Wait, me up. Or sorry, Wait, sorry. Ninth or gr third graders? Third grade. If you had to fight a third grader around, three, three, three oh, okay. third graders in round in three. Yeah. Four third graders in round four. Okay, five in round five. Yeah. Wait, wait, I was going up through high school. I was like, dude, the eighth graders, eight, eight eighth graders, eight wait, 13 third. year olds. What area am I What's fighting these graders? kids? I actually like the way we interpreted it at first. Like, it? I think I could take like. Well, let's answer both questions. Let's answer both. You could think you can take five fifth graders. How old are they in fifth grade? Like, like 11. 12 and six. Yeah, 11. Oh, five little leaguers. Okay. It's basically five of those motherfuckers with good sportsmanship down there and. In the Delta, that big boy with the mullet, the guy that hit the other kid in the head, he was about he's about your size, Matt. That guy's big. Five of them motherfuckers, dude. Yeah, I, I don't know that I can those, I I'm kicking those kids in their fucking chest, bro. Just their chest kicking in their heads. Like they're not ready for yeah, that. Yeah, your numbers should be higher, dude. I'm gonna be advantageous and say fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, fifteen rounds. Fifteen rounds. Yeah. So how many is that? 15 third graders and yeah and one 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 fifth grader one fifth grader in round 10 and he's yoked though round 10 but i'm taking him out i'm taking him out first like so you get him first bro like to send a message to the third graders because the third graders scatter when that you you almost welcome the fifth grader you're like oh he's here i can make a point yep now they just want me to read to him and depending on the size of the third graders, you might be able to use a couple of third graders as weapons. Do you guys? <laughs> so when it gets when it gets when it gets when it gets to the numbers, yeah. When it gets to the numbers, yeah. you might have to pick one up and toss and like bowl, yeah. bowling ball a few, just yeah. just to slow them down while you take care of a few others. Now the other, yeah, the other question. I think uh, I think you know as it raises uh, you know a grade every round, four fourth graders, five fifth graders. Six sixth graders, uh, kids starting to get mustaches. Now you get you get kind of violent, like in like sixth grade, sixth seventh grade. Yeah, I like think there, that's where I'm starting. It, to yeah, maybe there's there's a few X factors in there. I think kids get can get like Matt used to be a teacher. Yeah, most sixth graders haven't hit puberty. So oh, I'm still good. I, I would say seventh is where I'd be yeah. worried about both of you, but like seventh would be close. Seventh graders also, they yeah, they just. They got shit to prove, man. They got a lot of pent up. I got nothing to prove. Shit. Yeah, but you're taking two out like instantly. I mean, yeah. two off the rip. I'm thinking of the scene from Step Brothers where they just get beat the shit out of yeah. by uh, all those third and fourth graders. That would probably happen to me. They make you eat dog poop. They make eat you the lick poop. the dog poop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm spearing and like kicking a lot. 
I'm sweeping legs. I'd like to just, yeah, I'd like use, to neutralize. I was a tackler. I, would, I was a tackler. I would like to neutralize. You know, in cartoons, when they beat people up in cartoons, like people can't actually be really fucked up. Yeah. Like, I just want to beat them up and like set them down. Like, and nobody's hurt, but it's just a pile of them. And they're all like, ha, I got beat up. Like in the cartoons. I don't want to really beat up. So just anybody that's listening, I don't want to beat <laughs> kids up. Nate, he's going to be kicking them in the chest. <laughs> got to play the win. Spearing them. Hey, thanks, Dirty Harry. Later, gentlemen. Uh, we'll see y'all on Friday. I'm